This is Geek Gab with your host, John and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, September 15th, 2018. And our show today is Predator 2K18 and Paranoia 40K. But before we get to that, and uh, I should warn you all that this question I'm about to ask, I already asked when we were in the green room before the show. I should also warn you that the term green room is something of a misnomer. We're using that in its figurative sense because it is not actually a room, nor is it green, but it's where we get together before the show and discuss a couple of things. So the question I'm going to ask is the question I already know the answer to, which is this? Uh, Dornal, how was your week? Hey, man. It was all right. I was a little under the weather with this week. Missed a couple of days. So I did a very uh, unusual thing, something out of character, you would say. And, and that would be you... Um... I, I, I finished a couple of books that I was in the middle of reading. You read? I, I read words. They were printed on paper. Like paper books, not even e-books? No, no. I prefer my, my books on paper. I, so, didn't so, think, I didn't think I would be one of those guys. I didn't so, think I would be one of those. Uh, you know, there's two camps. There's the, uh, oh, no, I, I must have a book in my hands. And then there's the other camp who's like, oh, why waste all that paper? Everything's so easy on my phone or my tablet. No, uh, I didn't think I, I would be in either one of those camps necessarily, but I'm pretty firmly... Unless I'm on a plane ride, I'm pretty firmly in the dead tree category. I just I think it's fascinating that with all the people who come on the show and all the people who've asked asked us to read their books and stuff, that the only way to get you to actually sit down and read is is uh, deathly illness. You have to be on death's door, knocking on the very doors of heaven. You can almost hear Saint Peter's dulcet tones welcoming you to the afterlife. And that's the only time you actually will sit down and read something. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. It's it's gotta be the end of the world for me. What uh so what did you read? What books did you peruse this week, if you like to say? Yeah, I I finished uh nonfiction books. Um I guess they're technically nonfiction. I I finished the skin in the game by Nassim. Nicholas Taleb, and I okay. must be I must be mangling that game, that name. He's a he's a Lebanese guy who works with probability. He was a longtime trader, and uh, and he he's a mathematician and and uh, logician, statistician, that sort of thing. This sounds very dry and boring. It does actually. Yeah, he is. Uh, he has a. Fun writing style. He is actually. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, uh, NN Taleb, and uh, he he uh, his interactions are always fun because he's got through his career as a trader, he's amassed what uh, what you would call fu money. <laughs> and, like Notch. Exactly. He's like Notch. He's got fu money, so he doesn't take anything from anybody. 
Uh, and and previously, years ago, uh, as part of his other work, he it, basically the giant evil corporation Monsanto basically tried to destroy his life and his career. Oh, no way. But he, since he has FU money, all they got out of it was a eternal personal grudge. <laughs> Uh, and so what was the other nonfiction book you read? Uh, I just finished uh, Bronze Age Mindset by Bronze Age Pervert. And <laughs> that's that's the name of the author right there printed on the... It's silly. Uh, if you follow this guy on Twitter, uh, which is basically where I got these recommendations, um, he's got a very particular idiosyncratic style and the the i the idea is that he uh, worships those that worships and maybe the wrong word he 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 likes the idea of uh, the bronze age warriors and conquerors who basically had i guess they had the bronze age equivalent of fu money and they went around and they they conquered and pillaged and did whatever they want that sort of thing uh, so it's 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 a funny book because it's done in his his sort of weird style. It's tough to describe. Uh, gra grammar's not a strong suit, uh, but it's a bit of a philosophy book. He's uh, very heavily influenced by Nietzsche. Uh, he references Nietzsche a lot, though he he uh, often it's to disagree with what Nietzsche has written. But he's obviously uh, heavily influenced by Nietzsche and and the concept of the uh, Ubermensch or the Superman. Um, so now my thought process is going two ways. First one, which is George Peterson says that Nietzsche was misunderstood by everyone. Um, and, and, and I'm trying to remember exactly what he said, because this is uh, maybe almost a year ago that I listened to the video. He said that Nietzsche wasn't actually trying to kill God when he said that God was dead. He was just trying to point out that God had faded from the West and he was trying to reinstate him and stuff. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I am not Jordan Peterson, nor have I read Nietzsche's books, nor am I likely to. Um, I've got a ton of stuff on my own plate that I just can't get to. Yeah, that's. I, I think that comes from um, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, and I haven't read that myself, but uh, that's the impression that I got, that that uh, people believe that Nietzsche is an atheist, and it was more along the lines of he, he sort of saw that God's role in Western Civ has died, and... Uh, I, I, it, it's not clear. It's not clear to me, at least, exactly what he felt or thought about it. Um. So I uh, and the other thing, of course, is like twenty years ago, uh, me and a friend got into a spontaneous Nietzsche quoting contest, um, where we would both, you know, give little quotes from Nietzsche that we remembered, and and me having never read Nietzsche. Um, you know, things like uh, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss also stares back at you. Um, and then those who fight monsters themselves become monsters, so on and so forth. Um, and and I won. I won that Nietzsche quote contest. It was kind of like a spelling bee. We went back and forth. And then he gave his last one. I couldn't think of any more. And I gave one more than him. And so I won. But I don't know that I could compete in that today because I honestly, not only can I remember the Nietzsche quotes, just off the top of my head, I don't even remember what Nietzsche quotes I used in there other than some of the famous ones. Uh, so, yeah, I won that once and I'm happy to sit on my laurels and let somebody else take the uh, Jordan Peterson obviously could wipe the floor with just about anyone on that. And so happy to let him do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let him do it. Uh, anyway, if, if you're 
it, it's tough. It's a tough recommend because I really enjoyed it, but uh, I've got a weird, I mean, I, I love the internet sort of sense of humor. I think he's got a great sense of humor and it's a fun, um, for, for someone like me, who's no longer young and impressionable, uh, exposing myself to that fun, uh, that Ubermensch sort of, uh, idea. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to get corrupted or turn into a nihilist, uh, or anything like that. Uh, it's just sort of, it's, it, it's, it's fun to read and think about. Um, and, and uh, let me see, I, I ran into something that I, I thought that, that amused me and I'm not going to give you all the context, but let me read something from it that I found. I should have highlighted it. It's somewhere on this page. Um, he's, he's talking about, uh, uh, he's talking about the bourgeois, uh, which is, of course, of course, he has to talk about that. Um, that we're so far away from, you know, the the uh, the American or, or you know the Western sort of middle class or or normal folks, you know, are are so far uh, lower than the bourgeois at this point. He says this is why it's so ridiculous to hear these conservatives yap on about honor or glory or sacrifice or any of this garbage. The respect in all institutions and all leadership classes and all traditional authority has already been lost long ago, and for good reason. Um, not to get not to get too deep in politics, but uh, I don't think uh, I I think that's pretty clear. I I don't think that's uh, it's insightful, but it's not incredibly insightful. I think uh, I think to a large extent that's true. So uh, even though he's he's sort of a you know. He, his affect is a bodybuilding moron on Twitter. Um, it was it was a it was a fun and interesting read for me. Um, all right then, two nonfiction books, sort of kind of recommended. Um, I well, wait, I didn't talk much about uh, Skin in the Game. Highly recommended. A uh, very interesting analysis of, uh, uh, and and not technical analysis. It's 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 a book. It's it's interesting reading. It's it's really great about uh, uh, talking about asymmetries in real life. Uh, the gist of it is, if you get if you get someone for financial advice, a, a broker or or something, and, and you want to invest in the market, you don't ask the guy for his recommendations. You ask to see the guy's portfolio. Yeah, see what he's buying. Yeah, um, uh, I highly recommend that one to everybody. All right. Um, which actually, that, that's, that's really good advice. You find out what they themselves, that I, I'm guessing that's where the term skin in the game, why the title is skin in the game is because he uh, he's talking about the investor, when he's risking his own money, is obviously going to value that much, much more than when he's risking your money. Yep. Um, or at least that is my surmise. I am pleased to have found out that my surmise was correct. Um, and uh, is there anything else this week that happened interesting? You didn't like get so sick. You had like really cool hallucinations or anything? Oh, I wish. I wish. I, I did have a. I said several several unpleasant dreams. I wouldn't want to bore the audience, but in one of them, uh, there was a price on my head, and I I only had one little handgun to defend myself with. It was it was a bad time. See now I'm thinking about that. You just threw out something that I'm not I I, I can't talk about, but I'm thinking about it. I'm like, huh. All kinds of things are going. I'm like, so it's like kind of like the original running man. So yada yada yada. Now let's let's leave that as uh, we've got we've got a lot of uh, writers 
on the show and in the audience. That's your next writing prompt. Your protagonist, your protagonist has a. Uh, let's just say he's got a a, a forty five, just a, a nineteen a Colt nineteen eleven, right? With one magazine, uh, and he's holed up in a hotel room, and there's a price on his head. Go. A Colt magazine for the nineteen eleven, I believe, only has seven shots, seven bullets. So it's that's unfortunate. <laughs> a little bit better than a revolver, but not much. Um, and the point comes up in a John Ringo novel um, where they talk about a, an HK Heckler and Koch uh, pistol that is also 45 caliber. It uses the same rounds, uh, but it holds a lot more in the magazine and why that's uh, superior to the old, um, old sentimental favorite of the Colt uh, 1911. Designed by John Moses Browning and LDS Gunsmith, uh, who also designed many, many other guns. Just a brilliant, brilliant man. But... Um, I that, want was to. That, was, that was impressive, dude. I'm. I'm just gonna. I, I had to linger on that for a second. We've we've worked in nonfiction, philosophy, Nietzsche, <laughs> uh, guns, and and Mormon history. Just boom, <laughs> laid it all out. So let's let's go for something. You know, we've gone big and grand and important and deep. Let's go for something that is only important to me, and maybe not even then. Um, <laughs> this week, let's, my let's news go this shout. week. My specific news for this week. So there's some big news that I can't talk about on the show. I talked about with uh, Doranal before we got on the air, but uh, I can't talk about it on the show other than to say, hey, it's big, exciting. I'm very, very happy about it. I'm hoping someday in the future to uh, be able to talk about what it is that I can't talk about right now. I can't even tell you what I'm not talking about. Um, this week, I hit and surpassed uh, 100,000 gamer score. On Xbox. I now have six digits of gamer score. And I was I'm actually I'm pretty happy about that. I will not lie. Is is that is that gamer score for you know when you know when you play a game and you feel like the developers wrote achievements into the game just because they had to like congratulations, you finished the first level. Here's your 10 points. Is it like that, or is it? do you get that gamer score for finishing a game or having a, a high record in uh, online multiplayer or whatever? It depends on the game. Honestly, it absolutely depends on the game. There's one really crap wrestling game that um, you could play for 10 minutes and get a 1,000 gamer score points. I did not do that. I don't have that in my uh, gamer score. But then there's other games that you can, you know, brutally murder yourself over a year for and, you know, barely get back past like 200, like the 1000. Each game is a maximum of 1000 points in achievements. Uh, and some of them are entirely theoretical. Some of them you can't even get anymore because they require you to play online on servers that have been shut down. So you can't play the game. You can't get online. Some of them are like viral achievements, like the. Um, developers of the game originally got this achievement, and somebody who kills one of them gets the achievement. And then if you kill a guy who has the achievement, then you get the achievement. And somebody else, if they kill you, they get the achievement. So it's viral. So you have to find somebody who has it and kill them in a, in a multiplayer death match. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, it's a, there's just any kinds of things. I just, I'm happy. I've been, I started earning achievements when I first got my 360, which was in January of 2007. 
So that's 11 years ago. Um, and like the first six months or the first year when I had my 360, there weren't all that many games out for the 360. It was a very, you know, and, and I only, I bought it a year after it had been out, but there was still a, a paucity of games. In fact, when I bought the console, the first really big game, the first real game for the 360, which was Gears of War, had just come out. And so for that first year, I like worked hard on all the games I had to eke out every point of game score I did because there wasn't anything to play. It was either that or, you know, go do something else, which wasn't an option at the time. Uh, I was in a time and place in my life in which playing a lot of video games was the only practical thing for me to do. There wasn't any other options available to me. I couldn't read books, couldn't read uh, nonfiction or fiction books. Uh, I very often couldn't watch TV or movies. So video games were my outlet during this time. And I eked every point out I could from the gamer score from those games. But then as the years go by and as years turns into five years and 10 years, most of the time you just stop caring. Because there's so many achievements you haven't gotten and so many games you've played and so many games you haven't played that you own that they're just kind of sitting there. If you get a gamer score point, it's like, oh, I got achievement. That's cool. As my gamer score go on, I didn't really start caring about achievements again until this week when I was at like 99,500, 99,750. I figured, wait a minute, I could probably go look at these games I haven't finished yet. They were the remastered versions of Bioshock 2 and Bioshock. I beat the original game several times, played the original game several times. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can go into these games and work it out and get some achievements and pop me over 100,000. And I did. I'm at 100,500 something now. So I was really excited. I, I finally got there. Um, now, we had a conversation about this on Twitter. Do you remember what you asked? Dead silence. I've killed the conversation. Oh, I, I I went and muted myself because I'm on an open mic. I, I don't oh. I I don't I don't recall the question uh, precisely. Uh, Bradford Walker has has a similar question though. He asks if Microsoft Microsoft stops messing with your stuff, or, or do you get a free console? Uh, well, that's actually almost the question you asked. What you asked was, are they worth anything? Is a hundred thousand gamer score worth anything? And my response is no. 100,000 gamer score, all that it signifies is, for the most part, how much time you've put into playing video games over the course of the last decade. Um, so I've put in 100,000 gamer scores worth. And also, I don't ever play multiplayer, um, except oh. for Left 4 Dead. And so I don't get any multiplayer achievements ever. So I don't play multiplayer. I don't play Deathmatch or Team Deathmatch or Capture the Flag, King of the Hill, you know, Horde mode, whatever. I don't do it. So these are all single-player achievements. That's pretty impressive, uh, especially considering that for a lot of games, particularly shooters, multiplayer is the best way to play. Yeah, and, and in multiplayer-heavy games, most of the points you get are in uh, in multiplayer matches anyway. The You know, like 600 points or so usually go into multiplayer um, and you, you only get, you know, 400 or so usually for a single player. It, it varies according to the game, but I found that as a, as a general rule, if that's the way you're thinking when you go into the game, that's probably what's, you won't be disappointed. So, um, now, so I have a list of topics. So we're talking about games I could have played, but I haven't yet played. 
Um, this week, too, uh, I decided to finally bite the bullet and start playing Final Fantasy XV. Oh, wow. Actually, I heard that was really good. I have also heard that it was really good. Because I tried to start playing a Final Fantasy game once before. And I got in like two hours of the game and I was still in the tutorial. And then I found out that there's like a 20-hour tutorial. You don't get out of the tutorial until 20 hours in. And I, I, I skipped out at that point. Two hours was more than enough for me. I'm done. I'm out. This is this is really interesting. I I'm, I, I want to I want to underscore this for for the folks listening that you are a person who plays a lot of video games. Yes, and and you have in fact you have a very high gamer score uh, because you've played a lot of Xbox games. Yes, you have never really played a Final Fantasy game. Nope, not ever, not once. That's an incredible feat. I, I don't have anything against Final Fantasy. It's not like I, you know, know a lot about it and hate it or, you know, despise it. Although, uh, and I'm going to say something that's really politically incorrect at this point. Having played Final Fantasy 15 for as long as I have, which is just over an hour, um, for reasons I'll get to in a second, I, I wonder, it's just a, a question, if the target market for Final Fantasy 15 wasn't... Um, squeeing fangirls and gay men. I, I honestly think that was their target market. Really? Yes. All of the main, the, the Final Fantasy 15 is set up so you're traveling around with a group of three friends. The main character who you're supposed to be playing as and three friends. And all of them are these tall, good-looking, muscular, slightly effeminate guys with really wild moose hairdos spiking up and uh, they've got really tight fitting clothes or one of them has a big shirt where he's di displaying his manly muscular rock hard abs and pecs and just the aesthetic of the game you're always with these guys and and it's a third person game so you see them all the time and i wonder if that that's cheesecake it's fan service, right? But it's not fan service for the straight male gamer. It sounds like it, yeah. It's, it sounds like those uh, uh, there, there's a small there's a small but rabid uh, subsection of fans that are, are girls who like hot Asian men. They'll, they'll get like the sexy, the, the, the Asian version or, you know, the Japanese version or the Korean version of the sexy firefighter calendar. <laughs> I think that's exactly that sounds like, like that's who those models are, are aimed at. Um, but that's 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 typical. Uh, that's typical for uh, Japanese RPGs for Final Fantasy games. The you know the the characters are most of the time they're vaguely Japanese. Uh, in this one, it looks like they're just they're just Japanese guys, but they're they're young. They're they're. Um, you know they're slender but muscular that sort of thing that's that's pretty typical for modern final fantasy um i uh i have a question uh now i'm not saying there's no fan service for heterosexual males because the very first area you get to has cindy in it cindy's a mechanic and she's wearing daisy duke shorts a crop top that's you know a coat open way down and, and a bikini 
and she's very voluptuous, very shapely. So I'm not saying there's no fan service for straight men there. Uh, it just it strikes me that was the target audience having watched it for an hour, played for an hour. Now, I uh, I lucked out. Apparently, I lucked into doing exactly the right thing that I needed to do when I got the game. Uh, it came out two years ago, and I haven't played it at all, obviously. And so just a couple weeks ago, it came on sale on Xbox Live. So I bought it download, which is something I'm never going to do again for anything ever. I have suddenly and abruptly made a decision about buying physical, physical stuff, uh, which we can talk about in a second anyway. Um, but when I bought Final Fantasy 15, I bought it for 20 bucks instead of the $60 that it would normally cost. And apparently I got the luckiest thing ever because in my massive ignorance about the game, Never played a Final Fantasy before except for a couple hours and don't know anything about this game. Apparently, I bought the ultra super mega all DLC included deluxe edition, the Royal Bundle for Final Fantasy 15 uh, for 20 bucks. So very nice. I was actually really curious to see. So I went on Xbox One. Uh, the website to see what I bought, and it turns out I bought everything. I own all of it, everything. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's good. Because here's what happened. I played it, and I went around killing monsters and picked up some treasure and fell in a pit with a 28 level 28 monster when I was level 1. And so I made it my mission in life to run away very, very fast. Um, not slow, the running. The running was was fast, and it was in a direction that was not towards the monster in an away direction because I felt like at that point, I don't know anything about the game, but I felt certain based on past experience as a video gamer that a level 28 monster that was bigger than me and all of my friends and our car and maybe even the local semi we saw at the truck stop, I felt certain that a monster that big with that much levels attached to it would prove a challenging and perhaps too challenging combat. And and since this is Final Fantasy and not Dark Souls, I, I ran. Okay? It's not cowardice. It was a clinical assessment based on a 100,000 gamer score worth of, a, uh, of experience in single-player games. So... I realized after running around for a while and looking at things, I had no idea what I was doing. No idea what I was doing. And that was startling to me. Um, when is the last time you started playing your video game? You had no idea what was going on or what you were supposed to do. Honestly, it sounds really refreshing. It was. It was unusual. And I'm like, wait a minute. So this is what people talk about. When they talk about the pleasure in video games is in learning, like new things, new experiences. I thought, I, I don't remember the last time I had a new experience. Most of the new experiences I have in video games are annoying because they're when people try to be clever, when designers try to be clever and they just get it wrong. And that's, that's, that's admittedly a, a new experience in game controls because you know you're in a third person game instead of having the camera attached to the left thumbstick 
you've got something else. And so you can't actually control the camera. Uh, I hear Baldur's Gate did that, but I only heard that from zero punctuation from Yahtzee. So I, I can't verify that. But, you know, it, it, it's a new experience, but it's a bad new experience. You're like, wow, I never thought someone could screw up something this basic that I just took for granted that it worked. Uh, and that's going to come back when I talk about Predator, um, honestly. Um, but I'm dropping a lot of, I'm dropping a lot of, oh, we'll talk about that in the futures. And I'm hoping I'm picking them all up. I, I can remember three. Hopefully I'm picking them all up so I can pay that off. So it'll look like we planned this uh, instead of just, you know, rambling on. So I'm lost. I have no idea what's going on. And I went to YouTube and uh, I watched some Final Fantasy for Beginners. Uh, and how to start off Final Fantasy, 15, Final Fantasy 15 for beginners. How to start off Final Fantasy 15. So I could at least get enough of the basics down to be okay at playing the game. To, you know, start thinking about which parts of the game were necessary that I should pay attention to. And which parts are meant there for, you know, eye candy. To look good or to sound good or whatever. So, yeah. You've played Final Fantasy before, though, haven't you? Many, many of them. Is there anything in the Final Fantasy approach? Have you played 15, though? No, I haven't. Um, and I, I should say, I don't have anything against JRPGs. I don't have anything against Final Fantasy. Just happens to be this is the only one I was really interested in because of two years of people saying how awesome it was. So I finally decided to bite the bullet. I'm going to write about it at some point, probably for Castelia House or maybe talk about it on the show, whatever. When I get it done, so that may be weeks, months from now. Um, is there anything specific in the Final Fantasy approach that you would recommend? Uh, in what in what context, uh, as far as just learning and, and playing? Yeah, just like general design philosophies or anything. Any any advice yeah. you would give to people? Uh, yeah. Always play Chocobo races or, you know, always play the Chocobo races or something. Exactly. The, they, the uh, Final Fantasy games have a couple of, uh, they've got, a, they've got several really important um, themes and, and things. The one theme is uh, customizability. Most Final Fantasy games let you pretty much customize your characters how you want. And uh, for you know, for example, the, the classic job system where you've got four characters, but there's something like twenty character classes, and you can just sort of wear that where where you can wear a wizard suit for one fight, and then after the fight, switch to a a knight suit, right, and and have different abilities. And and so the, the the games often let you customize your characters all you want. Uh, the downside is is that you can spend countless hours maxing out all of the different customizations and classes, which is totally unnecessary. Um, the the other thing is that there's hard stuff in the game, but they like to tuck the hard stuff away in hidden areas, especially at the end of the game. Uh, you're, 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 it's intended for you to just dive right in and, and try to kick the monster's ass, no matter how big it is. It seems as if, uh, and it may be that Grand Theft Auto 4 got this from, you know, from Final Fantasies originally, um, but Grand Theft Auto 4 and Saints Row, the original Saints Row and Saints Row 2, um, they have this system where in order to progress to a new area, uh, you, where you can see all these islands, but you only go on the first one. If you try to go on another one, all the military shows up with planes and tanks and blows the crap out of you. That's a Grand Theft Auto 4. In order to progress to get access to those areas, you had to um, 
push on along the main storyline. And it seems like Final Fantasy has done that too. Like it has a number of different areas that are all open worldy while you're in the area, but to get to the next area, you have to hit the next, uh, you know, major signpost in the in the main campaign. So that's it's it's a design decision I've been familiar with. Yeah, and and one of the things that they did, uh, they were vastly maligned in Final Fantasy Thirteen, that series of games, because the Square Enix gave up on the conceit that it was an open world that you were exploring because in Final Fantasy games you're often on a you know a tight railroad going from one scene to the next up until a certain point in the game where you're basically given the airship and allowed to explore the world. Yes. And in Final Fantasy 13 they gave up on the conceit of making it look like you're on in an open world and uh, every map is just hallway after hallway. You've got a, a beautiful, uh, a beautifully drawn and animated scene, and you just run past the scene, right, and fight monsters along the way. Uh, that's typical. It's typical for Final Fantasy. It's typical for JRPGs in general. That's why. That's why they don't appeal to some people. Um. So. I watched some YouTube videos. I watched maybe 15, 20 minutes worth of YouTube videos about it. Um, and, and it was actually the YouTube video that gave me the insight as, as to who the fan base for Final Fantasy 15 was. Because the first one I watched was, you know, Final Fantasy 15 for beginners. And it was a, a girl who did it. A gal, a lady, a chick, a woman. Um, and she was, uh, and I, it was a bit. It wasn't, you know super honest, but there's still a bit with truth to it. She uh, squeed a lot of the times about how hot the male leads were. And I'm like, I feel like I'm not maybe the target audience yeah. for, for well, this. So, um, I think they figured that out too, because uh, if I may permitted to employ uh, stereotypes for a moment, uh, JRPGs are not difficult games. They're not skill-based games. Uh, they uh, appeal to people who like to watch the narrative play out, who like the big fantastic battles and everything like that. Um, this appeals to girls. The story appeals to girls, the emotional beats, the uh, lack of skill-based gameplay. So uh, even girls and people who are bad at games, you know the type, oh, I'm bad at games. Yeah. You know. They appreciate being able to play through the game and have fun uh, without feeling like a, a loser. Uh, you know, just don't sign them up for multiplayer deathmatch or League of Legends. That's okay. Or Dead Souls or whatever. Exactly. You know, some people like that kind of game. Some people like another type of game. Or Ninja Gaiden. If I people are going to say, "Oh, you're using Dead Souls as an example," that's so cliched. Okay, Ninja Gaiden, right? Infamously brutally hard. But the, but the audience for the game likes that. Yeah. Um, all right. So I uh, the one thing that weirded me out about it, though, is that they said in order to understand the story that they're really cryptic about a lot of things. There wasn't a lot of a lot of the story isn't on screen that you had to go watch this like free web series and also optimally a 90 minute uh, computer animated movie. <laughs> and I was like, OK. That's a different approach. <laughs> it, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm guessing your follow-up was, I'm not going to do that. 
my follow-up was, I wonder where I can get that. Because I wouldn't mind it. Uh, admittedly, the last Final Fantasy movie I saw, The Spirits Within, had nothing to do with Final Fantasy. Nope. So, I mean, I, I am at least open to the idea of seeing a Final Fantasy movie. And if it's more comprehensible and less, you know, back cramp insane than uh, The Spirits Within was, I, I might actually take the time to do that. Um, all right, let's move on because uh, we are running out of time. Physical media. Um, this week, I saw a tweet from someone talking about Apple. Uh, they're in Canada, Apple Canada. Some company yanked movies off of the Apple iTunes store, and they can no longer download those movies. They can no longer stream them to their Apple TV, which you can't download things to anyway, but even on their computers. And so 4K is available on the iTunes store only for streaming on the Apple TV. You can't play 4K movies on your Mac, even if you have a monster screen Mac, which I do, that could play 4K in full resolution. You're not allowed to, not allowed to download them. And I'm sure they'd be huge anyway. Uh, and you can't do it on your you know, iPhone, iPad, whatever, for obvious reasons. But now she can't re-download them onto her computer at all because they've been taken off the store and she can't stream them in 4K. Jeez. And That's so these breach of contract. Yeah, these movies that she purchased, and I'm I'm waving air quotes here. You can't see my air quotes, but imagine big old air quotes around purchased are uh are no longer available to her. And she contacted Apple to complain about it. And the department sent her an email saying, uh, I'm sorry, we're only a storefront. We don't determine what's for sale. Other companies do. Here's two free rentals. Oh God! <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, why not just send someone over to spit in her face <laughs> while you're at it? I'm like, you're not even gonna refund the price. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm not picking on Apple for this. There's a lot of companies that, uh, I mean, Amazon was selling an illegal copy of 1984. And this is so meta. It's so, 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 so meta. An unauthorized copy of 1984 got its way on the Amazon store. People downloaded it to their Kindles. And when they complained about it, Amazon didn't just delete it. They deleted it right off everybody's Kindles. Oh. This is a while ago. It's like 10 years ago, I think. Really? Uh, but, you know. You don't own digital media. Like I've got, I've got games that are available through the Blizzard client. I've got twenty-four games that I've purchased on Steam, and I've got basically my entire Xbox library is digital. And I'm playing the Xbox One X and in customer service terms. I'm I'm what they would refer to as a whale. I've owned several Xbox 360s and an Xbox One and an Xbox One X. I've spent, you know, $10,000 on digital stuff, on buying games and DLC and whatever over the course of my 11 years of earning a 100,000 gamer score. I spent a lot of money. And so I'm exactly the sort of person that you would want to keep happy as a customer because likely I will continue my unwise and profligate spending pattern in the future. <laughs> um, I'm just saying I'm not defending it I, I'm aware of how that may look to people um, but 
on the Xbox One X, if you're playing a game, it checks, and this is a DRM, right? If you're playing a game, it checks it when you launch the game. And it also checks the DRM continuously while you're playing the game. Oh, so really? You, yeah. If the internet suddenly goes out at your house, it shuts you off. It turns the game right off. You don't even get a chance to save. That's uh, that is designed poorly. Yes, <laughs> I understand it's in Microsoft's core as a company, and it goes back to um, you know when Bill Gates was first produced programs that ran on tape, large tape that you would uh, input into a, a machine that didn't have a monitor, only had switches that you flipped to program it. He got very angry at people who were making illicit copies of it. I understand. And I'm not even blaming them for copy protection. I used to work at eBay, and I was in Infringement Vero, which is copyright violations, and I was in their games division. That's when I bought my first consoles because I was doing games professionally, and it was actually recommended to me by a coworker. He said, oh, yeah, and of course you know about this because you had a console. I said, no, I don't have a console. He says, you want to go buy a console. Um, and... In point of fact, you want to go buy a console and get a mod chip attached to it, you know, and I can recommend some people to do it because we're enforcing mod chips. We're taking down mod chips off the site. We're taking down blueback DVDs, which are illicit copies of games, and a mod chip is a chip that you solder to the actual mother motherboard of the uh, original Xbox, uh, which had a nice big contact point in the center that didn't do anything but was really, really handy to solder a chip to because it was connected to everything else. And so you could run, you know, DRM defeating copy protection uh, stuff through this mod chip. So I think that the original decision on a 360 not to have a hard drive that was only reversed at the last minute was a uh, DRM decision. They didn't want to make it easy for people to copy games. I think that the bizarrely minuscule hard drives that Microsoft tends to stick in, I mean, even now, the biggest you get is like a terabyte, um, is because of copy protection issues. And I understand why they don't want to lose all this money to people buying and selling you know, illegal copies. I know how big a business that is because I used to enforce it on eBay. It was my job to go out on eBay and take down these auctions and, and process claims from Microsoft up until Blizzard started reporting gold, World of Warcraft gold. And then that became my job for a year, uh, was taking down 8,000 different uh, auctions for World of Warcraft gold. I understand it, but at the same time, as a customer, it sucks absolutely sucks, absolutely reprehensible and disgusting. And so my new policy, which I'm going to be following in a month, um, there's is, is to start buying physical copies. I'm just going to buy physical copies off of Amazon for movies, DVDs, uh, or Blu-rays, for uh, video games on the Xbox, and for everything else that I can manage. And if I can't buy a physical copy, I'm going to buy from something like Grand Old Games, GOG.com, which doesn't have DRM. I no longer trust Apple, Microsoft, obviously not EA, um, not uh, any of the other companies. I no longer trust them not to screw me over. And I don't want to get my library of media, of books, of, you know, I'm only buying books off of, the Amazon because I can actually back them up and strip the DRM off of them to keep them. Not don't give them away. I don't, you know, traffic in them. I don't bootleg them for other people. 
but I can strip off the DRM and keep them and, and even convert them to different formats if I want to, which you can't do with Apple iBooks. So I stopped buying iBooks about two or three years ago because I can't do that. So they company's behavior, like this woman, uh, her bad experience was with Apple, but it applies to all these other companies. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. Done. No more physical media for me. Wow. Except for except for books, is there is there room for for a paper book in your heart? Well, I, I consider in, in books, I consider a file that I can freely back up that doesn't have DRM attached to be, uh, you know, that's good enough for me. Oh, fair enough. Um, you mentioned you mentioned uh, knocking out World of Warcraft auctions. Now that they've set up a, a few years ago, they set up. Um, uh, I want to say legal, but uh, a system by which you can purchase gold in game. Yes, uh, it never it was never illegal, but is a there's a word that describes the um, the situation. But now that you can buy gold in World of Warcraft, uh, for a while now, someone's on Twitter has been tracking the value of gold and tracking it against the uh, Bolivar, the the currency of Venezuela. I shouldn't laugh because it's really sad. <laughs> yeah. World of Warcraft gold is worth more than Venezuelan currency. Yeah, it, it, despite its deflation or inflation that's hit the game since people have been playing for so long and they've got so much gold, prices keep on spiraling up and up in the um, in the auction houses. But despite that, it, it's worse for the Venezuelan Bolivar, which is sad. And I think that's Caleb Prime who makes those posts every now and then. So, um, oh, that it's it's hilarious. All right, let's. Uh, we got a couple more. Uh, and here's the thing, folks. I had a big long list of topics I wanted to talk about, primarily because I knew that even though the main headline of the story was Predator 2K18, the Predator 2K18, that we, we weren't going to talk about it all that long. So there's not all that much to say, um, other than the callbacks I've already set up that I will try and get to. So I want to talk about real quick. Uh, go to the next thing on my list, which is Paranoia 40K. What? Paranoia 40K. Paranoia 40K. So so is this is this a mashup of, of everybody's two favorite uh, role-playing set settings, Paranoia and Warhammer? It is, but it's unintentional. Okay. Um, I'm in a game that is the uh, Inquisition game. And one of the things you can do... I'm in a role-playing game. I'm a player, not a game master. I've talked about it before. One of the things you can do is... The people who get shoved into an Inquisition kill team can come from the Imperial Guard, can come from the Space Marines, can come from whatever. So you can use Rogue Trader, you know, the uh, War Book and all that other stuff. So most of our party is actually Imperial Guard who got, got thrown into the uh, Inquisition at one point or another for one thing or another. Um, and the Imperial Guard source book. I haven't read it, so I'm going off of the way my game master plays it. But the very first thing you do on a mission is you have to read your orders and then make a rule to decipher them, to understand your orders. And if you don't understand your orders, you just get bad statements about what's happening. We got told at one point, oh yeah, you need to hold this pass with four people, and they're going to be 20 chimeras filled with uh, heretics 
demon worshipers, and you're going to have to figure out how to hold them all off. So we went nuts because we were like, well, we don't have that many heavy weapons. We set up, you know, we uh, went back to the archives and found out if they had pre-targeted, because the other thing is in order to call an artillery, you have to do all kinds of complicated stuff with skills that none of us have. And so we went back and see, okay, do they have pre-sighted artillery points that they, we can just say fire, you know, you know, point number four, fire for effect and whatever. Um, so like in paranoia, you get screwed right in the mission briefing. Your real mission isn't what you get told. What you do get told, if you do it, you're going to get killed. If you don't do it, you'll be in trouble with your supervisor and you're going to get killed. That's paranoia. But that's also this 40K game I'm in. And there's more. I will pause for a second while you boggle. I'm currently boggling. It's pretty good. So the next thing you do, once you've gotten your misinterpreted and misleading and badly written mission orders, is you have to go to the supply. Go to the quartermaster to draw your you know, allotment of supplies for this mission. And you have to make a roll on um, a, you know, there's a stat that is how good you are getting what you need from supplies. <laughs> there's an actual stat from that. And if you roll badly, they give you a bunch of weird crap that doesn't do any good. Um, I got given a case of a thousand individual packets of coffee. <laughs> um, and we've gotten like ammo for guns we don't have, uh, <laughs> guns that we don't have ammo for, field manuals for vehicles that we can't legally operate without getting executed. Um, and at one point, one of my comrades went to ask for something from supply and he rolled really badly. And not only didn't they give him what they want, they confiscated some of his gear. They went, in, <laughs> they went into his basic kit and took his knife and said, oh, we don't think you need that knife anymore. Hand it over. He's like, what? Hand over your knife. You no longer have a knife. And you might think, okay, that's, you know, who cares? Except that he has a really low weapon skill. He can't use hand-to-hand -hand combat. And he was planning on never getting into hand-to-hand -hand combat because he had a gun. And guess what happened last session? <laughs> <laughs> Turn over your sidearm. <laughs> he got into hand-to-hand -hand combat and had to fight uh, the enemies with his bare hands in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Because <laughs> his knife got taken away by supply two modules ago. <laughs> so I, I don't know that the Game Master set out to make this paranoia 40k. Um, but that's what we're playing. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, and people in the chat, if you're reading the chat, people in the chat are all kinds of excited about it. They're like, oh, that's brilliant. That's awesome. I want to play that. I'm like, yeah. If you're into paranoia and you know that's what you're getting or you know that's what you've gotten, whether or not you knew you were getting it, you know that's what you've gotten. Things tend to go differently. You can roll with it. You know, you can just play it out. Uh, you know what's going to happen to get screwed by um, supply. You know you're going to get screwed by your orders. You're not going to have the right orders. 
And so um, you can just roll with the paranoia five. Uh, again, the only downside is you don't have six clones in this game. Um, so that's a problem. But everything else is like, oh, hey, what the hell? Let's just go with it. I'm not even mad anymore. I'm kind of impressed. It's paranoia 40K. There it is, folks. Um, and, wow, we have eight minutes left in our technical actual time period, which is good. I mean, we haven't been dragging. We haven't, you know, we haven't beaten any topic to death. We've been moving along. We've had a lot of good topics. So let's go to Predator 18. We're going to do it full hour, boys. Yes. Um, so I... Uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see no. it. During the movies I watch, and I'm technically writing on paper in pitch black, so I can't see what it is I'm writing down. And then I have to go back afterwards and try and decipher my own handwriting, which I will not lie, is not very good, even under the best of circumstances. I am exceedingly fortunate. I was born in the electronic age where I can type instead of write, because if I had to write things longhand, no one would ever be able to understand anything I say or anything I wrote. Verbally, I'm just fine. So I ran out of pages in my old notebook. I reviewed so many movies for this show. I ran out of pages from my old notebook, and I went in and got a new notebook. Here's how hilarious this is. I've been to so many movies where I've had my notebook out, where I've been writing down, that now regulars, regular customers, not employees, regular customers have started to recognize me. <laughs> Literally, like last week, I went and saw um, Peppermint, which I wrote about in my Castalia house post last week. Um, and after the show, the guy comes up to me and says, I always see you in here with a notebook taking notes. What is it? That you're taking notes for. I tell him, you know, I, I, I have a podcast that I do. And he's like, oh, that's kind of like a blog. I'm like, sure, that's kind of like a blog. Um, what the hell it is kind of like a blog. Um, and that's why I'm taking notes. And so I went to see Predator. And after I got out of the show, guess who was there? Very nice. <laughs> and my new friend. He'd been in the same, you know, Predator movie with me. So That's yeah. actually really cool. He asked me if I'd gotten a lot of notes for the movie. I'm like, yeah. Took like seven pages of notes. Seven pages of notes. We're not going to talk about all of them. Uh, in fact, some of the notes I repeated three, four times because it every time it popped up, it annoyed me. So Predator 2K18. You remember earlier, I four, I uh, I said I would come back to this subject, right? I had some foreshadowing where I talked about something that you just kind of took for granted that you assumed everything had uh, but was actually not present in a work well in predator 2k18 um every time i go see a movie what do i say about the special effects oh the special effects were of course as is usual great even a low budget movie like kin that i saw three weeks ago had great special effects they looked fine they didn't look fake at all I just kind of assume that we've reached that level of technology and available skill at a low enough price that even a, a, a small movie that started out as a YouTube video, as a short on YouTube, had competent special effects. 
And I was carrying that around because the last two years of doing things for the show, of watching movies for the show, convinced me that was the case until I watched this movie. Oh. Oh, I love it. Are, are we talking... Are we talking... Mm. 2005 bad or are we talking sci-fi original film bad i honestly think we're talking lack of talent among whoever they hired bad they have all of the complex uh you know bitmaps and shaders and everything to make it look nice and highly detailed it just all looks fake fake as hell the, the very first shot in the movie, The Predator, is of two spaceships coming out of this, like, wormhole or, uh, you know, thing. It's not round. It's this, like this long rip. Somebody's torn in space, and there's clouds boiling on the edge of it, and this kind of whitish-brownish color and black dots, and they come out of it. And the ships look like toys. They uh, look, look like a model kit somebody put together. Like they were badly shooting miniatures. O only they're not miniatures. They're they're just bad CGI. Really? Yeah. Looked awful. Oh, how do you I mean I understand if if the models don't like you, you shoot the models wrong and, and you can kind of tell they're models, that's one thing. But if if you if you get in your program, your your 3D animation program, and you you draw up a ship that looks like a model, something's gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, it it looks awful. Then then uh, many times during the movie, you have people getting killed because it's a predator movie. They're hunting whatever people getting killed, and you get blood and body parts and stuff. Although it's strangely not as bloody as the other predator movies have been um and it all looks fake it looks like fake blood it looks like computer animated people thrown on the ground um it, it looks awful i wrote that down three times in my notes awful cgi awful effects um so one of the things i just assumed about modern movies they've proven me false they have proven me false uh proven me wrong that it, it just it isn't like that so and then you can infer from there if the one thing that every other movie nails in this modern day and age you can't even count on for this movie everything else is even more suspect and it is it fails it is not successful um it i I don't even want to like go into all of the stupidities, um, but let me give you a couple of them. All right. The main characters are a group of prisoners. You know this if you've seen the trailer. They're a group of prisoners who are crazy. They're the Looney Squad. They escape from the bus, and they go to a certain location to find uh this piece of alien technology for various reasons i won't get into here and when they get there all of a sudden all of them have weapons that they didn't have before like 
military-grade weapons. Hmm. And then they go outside, and there's an RV that they've apparently hot-wired, or, or, or maybe it's theirs or whatever, that just appears out of nowhere. It, they don't ever get it. You've never shown why you get it. And inside the RV is a mini-fridge, and inside the mini-fridge is an M4 with, with an ACOG side attached. Uh, an infantry rifle. Military issue. Um, do, um, do, do M4s perform better when they're chilled? <laughs> no idea if they perform better when slightly below room temperature. Um, I mean, most guns overheat. Uh, if you shoot them too much and they tend to have problems with heat dissipation. So maybe that makes it so it doesn't, you know, have problems as bad with heat. I have no idea. But then they have to drive someplace else. And all of a sudden the hero in air quotes, the hero and Olivia Munn are in a completely different car that we've never seen before. We have no idea where it came from. And they're going someplace else. And you're like, and the movie keeps on jumping like that. Like things that you need set up. Oh, one of our characters has a grenade launcher. That's awesome. Where did it come from? Nowhere. Okay. It was not his... on a military base. He was in an invent it was in his inventory. He equipped it off screen. <laughs> and, and that's the only thing I can assume is like. Well, maybe this was his RV, and maybe he had all these weapons in it illegally that he stole, and and maybe he had it hidden someplace for paranoid reasons, but we need to know that. So what you're saying is, uh, is that the, uh, the so-called editor of this film uh, took it took the film and put it in a blender and pressed pulse a couple of times. Yeah, it just, it's just, it's completely random. You have no idea. I mean, they have a, they, they escape from the bus and they have a couple of shotguns. Technically, they have one shotgun. That's all we see, one shotgun when they escape from this prison bus. And then the very next scene, the very next scene, they have M4s, two sniper rifles, a grenade launcher, and several hand grenades. Well, honestly, dude, if if you were if you knew you were going to be in a Predator movie, wouldn't you have that stuff on hand? Where did I, he get it from? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you? I honestly, you get, you get your you get your bunker, food prep, M4, gotta have grenades. So yeah, it. And if you take that one event and apply it to absolutely everything in the entire movie, then you'll understand what this movie is like. That's everything true. the alien does, everything the government agency who's dealing with the predator, what they do, none of it makes sense. It's Unless. all just random events that need some kind of explanation. They could have smash cut to this overgrown garage behind some abandoned gas station and he walks up to it and flips up uh the door and there's this big rv and he says to his lunatic friends 
I think you're going to like what I have inside. And then they've got all these guns. Now, immediately, the audience thinks, oh, they're in the RV. He's pulling a gun from out the mini fridge. We can assume this was his RV. He had a bunch of weapons stashed in there. All of these weapons came from it. That's it. Like a 20-second scene would have been enough to establish that one point. They didn't bother shooting it. They didn't bother putting it in the movie. So, sorry, man. It, it, it sounds like they they everybody's acting perfectly rationally, as long as you assume that all the characters know that they're in a predator movie and it's also a video game. <laughs> exactly. Um, or it's an RPG, right? It's a role playing game. You're sitting down to play a predator game. What are your players gonna do? <laughs> it's it, it's uh. It, like a, a game I played at a convention once. I uh, uh, it was a cyberpunk game, and and I played the doctor, and he had no gun skills at all, <laughs> right? I mean, and everybody's like, you know, I'm, I I really don't feel comfortable that you don't have a, a weapon. We're going up against a cyber psycho, and and I keep trying to say, no, 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 I'm a doctor. I don't, I don't have any weapon skills. The, the gun is less than useless. But no, this is a real RPG where everybody knows that they're in a predator game. And what's your character concept? Oh, I'm a I'm a teacher uh, who's who's going to protect her classmates or her children from the awful monsters in this game. Oh, okay, what are your skills? Well, I've got I've got a high skill in education and survival and martial arts and <laughs> rifles. <laughs> Because oh, he's an NRE member. He shoots on the weekends. <laughs> That's not the craziest thing about this, uh, about this RV. It's got an entire arsenal, we assume. We don't see it. Let's just assume. It's got this entire arsenal in the mini fridge. Two sniper rifles, a couple of M4s, and a grenade launcher. One of those big rotary grenade launchers, the kind of the angular ones, not the round ones like in the original Predator movie. It also has, apparently, a microscope and a fully equipped blood analysis lab in the RV. Well, that's really handy. Very handy. Like the handiest thing ever. Wait. Where did she get the microscope? Why the hell is it there? How the hell is she doing all this blood analysis? on a microscope in the back of a filthy RV with six screaming lunatics, all of whom now have guns. That's, uh, that's special, man. You have to understand. I don't want to talk about everything bad in the movie. We're, we're out of time. But this RV is like the nexus of bad in this movie that if you can imagine other similar things being wrong in every single scene, then you will grok. You will understand in your core how bad this movie is. There's a kid. He's got autism. He gets the Predator helmet because his dad mails it to him. Look, don't ask. I don't want to go into it. it, it that's not the point of this rant, of this particular part of this rant. He gets it. It's Halloween. He puts it on. He goes outside. 
Uh, somebody, it's a predator helmet, fully operational, fresh off the corpse of a dead predator. Somebody throws a rock in, or a ball and hits him in the head because he did something they didn't like on his lawn. Not, nothing bad. He just, you know, knocked on the house. They didn't like him knocking on the house. And the helmet immediately pops out a self-defense laser and blows the guy up. I mean, literally, you see <laughs> him get blown in half <laughs> and, and thrown back into the first floor of this house, which explodes in flames. <laughs> awesome. Now, again, yes, hilarious, completely, tonally wrong. But that's still not the point of this rant. So the kid pulls the helmet off, looks at it kind of quizzically for a second or two, and drops it on the ground. Now, you have to understand that he's been obsessed with this piece of technology since he got it. He's been learning this alien language and learning how to operate it. It's got this, you know, this holographic light interface that looks like that Nintendo, like Game Boy from the 1980s. The, the one, the goggles that fit on your face and it's all red inside, red and black, it's supposed to be 3D. Yeah, Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy. It looks like a Virtual Boy interface, all red and black, with, with a few, you know, graphics upgrades. Like if they had a Virtual Boy 5 or whatever in 1990-something, uh, that's what it looks like. So he's been obsessed with this piece of technology and getting it to work. And absolutely the very nanosecond it does something bizarre and amazing and cool. He looks at it a bit disinterestedly and drops it on the ground and walks away from it. Uh-huh. Now, in the very next scene, he's with his dad in a bad guy's attack, and his dad had to defend him. Well, obviously, they got rid of the helmet. The screenwriter got rid of the helmet so the dad could defend him, because if the kid had the helmet... As soon as bad guys start attacking him, it would pop out its little laser gun and blow them all to pieces. Problem solved. So they just had to toss it down on the side of the road so that the next scene would work because that's the level of screenwriting we're dealing with. Um, and then later on in the movie, the helmet just shows up. It's all of a sudden back. And there's no explanation why. Who got it? How do they know where it was? How did anybody know where it was? How, how did you find it? What, what are you doing with it? No explanation. That's incredible. Um, especially with the whole video game set up earlier where everybody's got all the guns and ammo. Who doesn't want a laser beam? Yeah. So... I'm sorry that you put yourself through that. Uh, the reason why the predators are here on Earth is because of climate change. <laughs> Absolutely not making that up. Climate change is so severe that the, everyone on the planet is going to die off in a year or two. Literally, this is exactly what they say. These physical words are physically emitted from a mouth of an actor and recorded 
on celluloid and played back in the movie theater. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Somebody wrote these words down deliberately and paid another person hundreds of thousands of dollars to say them. And and a, and a producer said, this seems like a reasonable script for a film that I would like to fund and produce. Yes. And I'm going to go into spoiler territory. Absolutely the last thing I'm going to rant about about this movie. But I have to get this in. I'm going to go into spoiler territory. His kid, his son is autistic. And they have an entire scene of him being all autistic, right? People are yelling at him and a fire alarm goes off and he claps his hands over his head and he rocks back and forth and he's, he's you know, trying to console himself. He's kind of crying, whining a bit. Um, when the kids were running out of the classroom, they knocked over six different chess boards. And so as soon as the fire alarm, it's a fire drill. It's not an actual fire, fire drill. As soon as the alarm stops going off, nobody's come to find him, by the way. It's a fire drill. The first thing you do in elementary school when you get outside is you, you, you count the number of kids and you find the missing one and you go get them. No, didn't happen. But he sets up all six of the chess boards exactly like they were. He just memorized it. He's autistic, but a savant, an autistic savant. Well, Olivia Munn, at some point in the movie, says to the dad, you know, dad, you shouldn't feel so bad about your son being autistic. Some people say, wait for it, here it comes. Some people say that's the next waypoint in evolution. <laughs> Autism. Autism. I would like to point out that in this very movie, there's more, there's one more scene I'm going to get to. They show how an autistic person, and this really happens. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm not making fun of autistic people. They get overwhelmed by sensory information, and they just kind of have to shut down and withdraw. Too much information coming out with, at them. They can't filter it out the way normal people do. They can't just ignore it. So it overwhelms them emotionally, right? Autistic people. They show why that cannot possibly be the next step of evolution, because you can't function in a highly technological society where that happens to you regularly because there's a great deal of stimulus, sounds, fast cars, haunts, uh, electronic screens, computers, lots of people around that just you know overwhelms autistic people. They can't handle it as well as normal people, neurotypicals do. Okay, so in the movie they prove why that statement is bs but and here we get into spoilers here's the big spoiler they think the alien is there they find out that the reason why predators come to earth is not as big game hunters to kill humans because they're you know collecting trophies no they kill humans so they can tear out their spines and get the dna from humans, from the best humans, and intermingle it with their own DNA to make them better. Oh my God. To make them bigger, to make them stronger, to make them faster. 
That's really why they're here. Oh, God. They're testing humanity to collect the best of our DNA. So you, I'm going to set this up so you're going to know exactly what's happening. You're going to dread exactly what's happening, but you can't avoid it. Autistic kid, hey, Dad, don't worry. I hear autism is the next step in human evolution. Predators are here to capture the most highly evolved and efficient and best human beings to take their DNA. So when given a chance to capture a sniper dad and his kid or his kid, which one is he going to pick to capture and take back to his home planet? <laughs> Please say the autistic kid. He took the autistic child. <laughs> Holy shit. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that just it, it 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 it's I'm like my whole body is cringing right now. I have a full body head to toe cringe. So if you want to know whether or not I would recommend the predator, I would say. I, I would not recommend going and seeing the Predator in the theater for full price. That's a, <laughs> that's a waste of your money. Maybe if someone develops a drinking game for it and you can get it really cheap at Redbox and you want to play a drinking game, that might be worth it. Because during the movie, while you're getting drunk, you can discuss all of the plot holes and nonsensical things and come up with a better plot, another plot, a different plot. And I guarantee you that even if everybody in the room is drunk, the plot you come up with will be better than whatever the writer of this movie came up with. Guaranteed. I guarantee you money that a room full of eight drunk people could come up with a better plot. I swear. Yeah. Um. So my next recommendation would be to go see Predators again because I really liked Predators. I thought that was a good and enjoyable movie, above average, certainly. I think Predators is the best Predator movie since Arnold Schwarzenegger's original. Not as good as Arnold Schwarzenegger's original, but better than everything else since then. Yeah, this is clearly one of those uh, franchises that shouldn't have been a franchise. So... Yeah. Okay. I'm done. I'm out. I'm pushing it away. I am fighting off the psychic repercussions of relating the story of this movie. Um, it was pretty I, I good. You went into a bit of a trance there. It was a. Uh, it was. It was. Oh, it was over twenty minutes that you just. You said just this one thing, and then boom. Yeah, you went into a trance. It was pretty impressive. You should listen to it later. This, 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 just that one thing it says so many, you know, it's like fractical, fractal idiocy, right? Fractal crappiness. That the closer you look at any one single element, you find out that it's just as crappy as the movie as a whole. 
And when you isolate that element, it gets crap. It, it's crap all the way down. All the way down. Um, here's something good I can say about the movie. 50 Cent, the rapper, is in the movie. I'm waiting for the good part. And he does a good job. He does an oh. okay job. You buy him in the role. I mean, that's, that's a pleasant surprise when a non-actor comes in and does okay. He does okay. He, he didn't have any blatantly fake overacting moments. He didn't have any melodrama. Even when he was talking about, you know, painful things in his character's past, he didn't try to overplay it. He just, he played it off exactly like the character he was portraying would. And maybe he's playing 50 Cent. You know, they just wrote the role for him, but he still did a good job in the movie. So that's something good. There's something good in this movie. 50 Cent, who's this minor character, um, turned in a decent performance. I was I was surprised. I was impressed, actually. I would admit. I was impressed because you see so many people who aren't actors come in, and they turn in terrible performances. He did a decent job. So, yeah. One good thing about the movie. Um, all right. Well, we are way, way past our normal ending time. Um, do you have any any uh, last words before we take off? Yeah, man. Um, thanks a lot for hanging out, uh, chatting today. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. I think uh, I think Alien, uh, Predator was so bad you killed off the live chatters though. <laughs> they were just stunned by how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it is stunning how bad this actually is. So um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is Geek Gab. We're here about once a week, about the same time. Catch us on YouTube.com slash Geek Gab. I'm your host, Daddy Warpig, my uh, fellow host, Doranol. We're here. Uh, we suffer through bad stuff so you don't have to. Um, you can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on SoundCloud, on the Google Play Store, and on the Apple iTunes Store. And uh, just do a search for Geek Gab, and you can find us and subscribe and uh, listen to this podcast. Or you can come watch it on YouTube, and you will have the benefit of the unusually intelligent and attractive members of our live audience in the chat to the side of the video. You can watch the playback. and. If you come and listen to us live, you can join in on the discussion yourself. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We are leaving for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.